Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. My name is Orion Williams. I am like a host. I'm like a, what am I? I, call, I keep calling you the host. I'm, am I the host and you are like the super speaky guy? I don't think I'm super at much. You're but the speaky you, guy. You speaky guy. I don't have any business cards that say that, but now I kind of want to order something. All right. So I'm Orion. The, the speaky guy is Peter Willis. <sighs> so weird. You have referred to yourself in previous episodes as the co-host. Yeah, I remember that. I forgot that I called myself that. But in order to be, uh, then technically we would both be co-hosts. Of course, yes. Because one person can't be a host and the other be a co-host. <sighs> Co-insinuate some sort of co-operation, does it not? I believe it does. Okay. Well, pilot and co-pilot. I don't think the co-pilot ever gets to go, well, he's actually also a co-pilot. Pilot's like, no. Nah. Right. If you're yeah, a pilot, that, <laughs> if you're yeah. a pilot, you you should let us know if uh, what the actual outcome of that is. You can email us at podcast at more than hearers dot com. Uh, I want to tell you we're on episode twelve. Twelve, and uh, that happens to coincide almost like kind of eerily like with Romans twelve. I mean, what a bizarre coincidence! <laughs> but uh, just as luck would have it. Uh, you know where to email us, podcast at morethanhearers.com. You know, if you really want to find us on Facebook, you can do that at facebook.com slash morethanhearers. And you can tweet us. Peter's available at mth, that's mth underscore Peter. And I'm at Orion Plays Music. Uh, this is uh, a show where we talk Bible. We're in the Book of Romans. Speaky guy and co-host here. Gonna give it to you. Gonna have a good time. Uh, probably. I don't. I didn't even preview what we're doing. I, I shouldn't even say that out loud, huh? You've. I think you've admitted to this before. Have I? And it's yet, a pattern. the times where you admit to it, you have given such amazing insight. So, I don't like to be too re- you know, too rehearsed. Yeah. Why, <laughs> why not? I mean, why not? <laughs> why be too rehearsed? I, I, <laughs> You'd never guess, right? We come off so clean every time, but that's not, I was <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ha, uh, yeah, slash sarcasm. Um, so yeah, Romans twelve. Uh, I I'm kind of uh, excited because I can't believe we've come this far already. Uh, but then again, at the same time, it feels like we've been in Romans uh, for a while now. It, I shared in the last episode that. Romans is going to start to turn a little bit here with Romans 12. 1 through 11, even 12 to some point, but 1 through 11 really is this dissertation by Paul of, um, here's God. God is evident in all things, and he's um, established himself and made himself known to all men. And and because man uh, didn't acknowledge God or give thanks to God, God turned him over to all sorts of sin. And then Paul goes on to talk about, um, just the sinfulness of man and how lost and how desperately we need Christ. And he gets into um, our lost condition isn't total bad news because we're not justified by our actions, we're justified by faith. And he gives us support for that. And he keeps going on and he, he starts talking about how we have this new life. We're, we're dead to sin and we're alive in Christ. And then what's our responsibility in light of that? And we finished in the last episode in Romans 11 and and 9, 10, 11, but especially 10 and 11, Paul's really pouring out his heart for Israel, for the Jews who've 
um, had everything from the foundation. They had the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. They had Moses. They had the law. They had all of it. And they missed Jesus, and his heart's just broken over it. And and in chapter 11, he, he talks about how uh, Gentiles, which uh, I'm a Gentile, if you didn't listen to chapter 11. I think Orion's Gentile. Uh, Gentile. Here. Also Gentile. Okay. Represent. And how we're grafted in. And we get really excited, but he goes, but if God cut off the native branches, how much more will he cut you off um, if you don't seek after him and don't follow after him? And um, and he talks, he, he ends really chapter 11, well, he gets two-thirds of the way through chapter 11 and just pours out about the grace of God and how amazing it is that he allows any of us and that um, Jews or Israel can even be grafted back in, those who've rejected the Messiah, those who've rejected God. And then he ended chapter 11 just with this, um, this outpouring, this um, the depths and the riches of the wisdom of God and how unsearchable are his judgments, uh, who is the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor. And he just gives praise to God. And he kind of closes that chapter of this defense of our faith. Or this explanation. I don't even think it's a defense. It's really an explanation of our faith. And he opens chapter 12. And and as usual, we're in the NIV. Follow along, if you will. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I'm going to read verse 2 as well. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And if you've spent any time around church at all, any time, you've heard these verses. We've recited them so many times, and a lot like a lot of other verses that we recite over and over and over, not that we shouldn't, but a lot of verses that we do this with, they almost lose their bite. They almost lose their meaning or their punch, if you will. And you look at Romans 1 through 11 and all that Paul has built up and explained and established. And he goes, in light of how amazing God is, in spite of our sin and our rejection of him and everything else, how amazing he is that he gave us Christ, how amazing he is to pull us back in and graft us and all of this. Because I urge you, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And I love this piece of this is your true and proper worship. We get caught up a lot of times, and mostly because we don't have better words, that worship is that music time at church. It's when we get together. It's a genre of music, actually. I don't know if you knew this or not, but within Christian music, there's a sub-genre of worship music. And worship is so much more. Yes. It's so much more than singing songs to God. Not that I'm dismissing that, because uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Orion gave you his Twitter handle. It's at Orion Plays Music. Um, Orion's uh, got some great worship music he's put together, and one of these days he'll put it out to the world. Um, you should send him all emails and tweets asking him to do so. But um, now I-, I thought he'd glare at me, but he's not. <laughs> um, but there's nothing wrong with seeing your your singing or your music or anything else as an act of worship. It is, but worship is so much more than that. Worship is this reverence for God. It's putting God in his proper place in relation to us. And it's in everything we do. It's in how we conduct our lives. And that's what Paul's saying here. 
offer your bodies, your, your physical being, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. It's more than just singing a few songs every Sunday or every Sunday and Wednesday or whenever you meet for church or if you meet for church at all. It's more than singing along with worship CDs in your car. It's more than making up your own worship music in your car. It's are you living in a way that your life is a sacrifice to God? If he says go, will you go? Elsewhere, I'm teaching a study through the book of Acts, and um, I, I continue to be amazed by the early church's willingness to just up and go wherever God said. Um, we're in a different world today in a different time in the way the gospel advances, but we still have missionaries today who go to places, I don't even want to go on vacation, with the goal of advancing the kingdom of God. That's living as a sacrifice. That's making your life, your physical being, a sacrifice to God. And I don't want to skip over uh, verse 2 because there's a lot in verse 2 that I want to address as well. Hopefully we get through all of chapter 12. I'm sure we will. But it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I love the tense of the verbs here because I'd love it Honestly, if so much more of it said, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Meaning once it's done, mm, it's done. One and done. Our mind is renewed and all, we're transformed and we're different. That was easy. But this renewing means it's an ongoing process. Elsewhere in the Bible, Paul talks about working out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why isn't it done? Right? Why do we have to keep working on it? I gave my life to Jesus. All done, right? Got my get out of hell free card in my pocket, and I'm all set. Everything's better now. I'm a new creation in Christ. Well, yeah, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our minds. It's an ongoing process. And I'll say to you, listener, also because I got to say it to myself, we hit walls. We get frustrated. We get disappointed in our own progress. But that doesn't make this promise any less true. God is continuing to renew our minds. And that's part of getting into the Word like we do here at More Than Hearers. It's learning this stuff, taking it into ourselves and, and, and making it a part of ourselves um, and looking at it over and over and over again. I, I was sharing with Orion before we started uh, recording that I was listening to a previous episode. I was all the way back to episode five. I was listening to it the other day and I saw new stuff. And when I recorded or we recorded episode five, that wasn't the first time I've taught chapter five of Romans. That was like the third time, I think. Uh, and yet I saw new things. This word, <laughs> this word is alive. It's this living, breathing Word of God, and God is renewing our minds so that as we go through it, we see new and additional things. And He's growing us in new ways where we are and where we're going and where He wants to take us to. There's a funny... I don't know if I'm cutting no. you off. Go. There. The next sentence after this, this transformation by the renewing of our minds, it's like it says that there's a purpose for that. Yeah. Then you will be able to... And there's this word test, and that's funny to me. I mean, the Bible is full of references, uh, commands not to put God to the test. And in this case, it's maybe it's not testing God, it's testing His will, according to this verse. But, but, and maybe test means some different things. I was just wondering what you know, what do you think about this? I, I think it's really cool that that this is 
this whole reason for our change is so that our minds can actually understand the will of God, to test and approve the will of God. It's, it is a weird uh, piece. Um, in Isaiah, there's this great story of, in Isaiah where um, we're dealing with a time in, in Israel's history where it's a divided kingdom. You have the kingdom of Judah and you have the kingdom of Israel. They're, they're separated, two separate kings, separate people. And the king of Israel has partnered with a couple other kings in the area to attack the king of Judah. And um, the prophet Isaiah comes to the king of Judah and goes, test God. Test God and see that he won't defend you. He's going to. You just test him. And the king of Judah goes, oh, no, no, no. I know better. You don't test God. And the prophet of God is going, no, do it. And the king... (laughs) The king of Judah goes, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And instead he makes a deal with Assyria who ends up taking all of Judah into captivity anyway. And But then we see other places where Jesus, when he's being tempted in the wilderness by the enemy, he goes, oh, no, you're not supposed to put God to the test. I don't know how to make heads or tails of when we are or are not supposed to test God. But I think this is part of being transformed by the renewing of our minds. The closer we get to God, I think... Um, the Holy Spirit does something in us, and and we learn to hear His voice mm-hmm. and know when the right times are to test Him, and the right times are to just go, okay, I'm going where you say go, and I'm doing what you say do, even though it doesn't make sense. I would like it so much better if it was a cut and dry, clear equation, an if then statement. Yes. If this, then this. Oh, if this, don't do this. We love formulas. I love it, but that's not how my God works. No. That's what's amazing is Romans 1 through 11 really was a formula in a lot of ways of God's here. We rejected God. God did this, but God gave us a way out through this. But um, if you listen to episode nine, if you've read Romans chapter nine, even if you haven't listened to episode nine, Paul goes, what about this? Well, here's the answer. What about this? Well, here's the answer. What about this? Well, here's the answer. What about this? Stop bugging God about it. Quit asking questions. Who are you to question him? And you go, oh, come on. We were following a formula here, Paul. Yeah, I thought we were answering questions. Oh, man. But it's the reality of our faith. We have a God who is way bigger than us. Um, And it's a hard place to be sometimes, but it's the truth of who he is. And I'm thankful that he takes the time to transform me and to renew my mind and to bring me to new places even when I go kicking and screaming, uh, which seems to be my MO lately. But that's okay. But yeah, and this other thing, and I'm going to address it because for some of you listening, it might be the elephant in the room. For others of you listening, you go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, or I've already resolved that for myself. I don't know. But this last piece in verse 2, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And there's these there's this teaching out there of there's God's perfect will. And then the term I think that gets used is God's permissive will. God has a perfect will, but if we screw up, he has this permissive will where he lets us go a different direction and kind of goes along with us. That's garbage. Uh, oh, man, did that come out of my mouth? You just said it. We probably should edit that out, but we're looking at Orion across the table. I don't think he's going to. No, we don't edit much. No, not really. Um, here's the thing. God is perfect. His will is always perfect. The fall of man, while it wasn't the will of God, 
it allowed the character and the will of God to play out all the way up till today. God knows what he's doing. He also knows what we're doing. God's not up in heaven fretting about anything that we do. He has a plan for us. It is up to us to decide to follow his plan. If we reject it, he's got a plan for that too. It's not good news. <laughs> it's not a plan you necessarily want to follow if you want to reject God. Um, but he's going to allow you to do it. But his will, his plan is that you would seek him, that you would fall madly in love with him, that you would serve him as Lord of your life, and that you would get to spend eternity in his presence. That's his will. All right, moving on. <laughs> Sorry if I said your theology's garbage, but, you know, think about it. Verse 3, 4, Paul says, By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. I'm going to keep going. Verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul covers this topic, general topic, in many of his books. First uh, Corinthians references it. I know in Ephesians he references it. This idea of uh, this, uh, metaphor's the wrong word, or maybe it's the right one, or Ryan will know, of the physical body to the body of Christ. Of, um, we have many parts. Your hand doesn't do what your foot does. Your ear doesn't do what your nose does, etc., etc. And in the same way within the church, not everybody plays the same role, but they all have to work together to advance the body of Christ. And it's an encouragement and at the same time a warning where he says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And I love this because he says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. And so then you're like, fine, I'll just think down about myself all the time like this false sense of humility. No. But he says, no, use sober judgment. Understand who you are. You were chosen by God before the foundations of the earth to do something for the kingdom. He's given you some gift to do something. That's exciting. Understand that he values you. He loves you enough that he sent his only son for you. But at the same time, whatever gift he's given you, that's from him. No matter how effectively you use it, no matter how good you are at something, understand with sober judgment that that comes from God. But don't be so timid about it that you fail to use it. I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, I think the other yeah. half of that is uh, just because God has blessed you with uh, uh, some sort of spiritual gift or even... Let's be real. Uh, non-spiritual gifts. I mean, a, a physical gift. You know, maybe, maybe you're uh, predisposed to uh, athletic. You know, 
I mean, there's body types that favor that. You know, oh, now's where you can use the excuse, you know, that you didn't you didn't inherit uh, the right body type or whatever. That's why you don't uh, hit the gym that hard. Aha, aha, <laughs> but, uh-huh. but yep, the, amen. <laughs> but this sober judgment, um, I think, what comes along with that too is uh, knowing that we all have limitations. That none of us are the best at everything, and so just being real, like, hey, maybe that's not your gift. <laughs> maybe you're, you know, maybe the thing that you do really well is this and not that. Uh, and so not having a big head like, well, I, you know, I'm just such a blessing. God's blessed me with so much. I can just go and bless everybody with everything that I do. It's like, eh, some of the stuff you do might not be that bless- much of a blessing. <laughs> and um, hopefully it's an encouragement to you. We all have value. God has given you something. If you're listening and you don't know what that thing is, you go, I don't, I don't know what God wants from me. I don't even know. I don't see any gift God's given me. My prayer for you is that God would reveal that to you. Your prayer for yourself should be that God would reveal that to you. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to dwell on it, but I love that he lifts all this stuff out. But then again, at the same time, so uh, verse 6. Um, we all have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. And I love that. It's, it's God's grace that gives it to us. Whatever gift you have, enjoy it and by all means use it. But don't necessarily think that um, you earned it. You earned it. Yeah, that's what I was looking for. Thank you, Orion. It's given. Um, and if it's prophesying, prophesy according to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, give encouragement. Giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do diligently. Do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. If you get to the end of this list and you go, I don't have any of those. I'm not worth anything. No, no, it's not an all-inclusive list. Paul doesn't go, these are the only gifts of God. Some people, you've got a musical gift. Some people, you've got a gift of preparing food for people who are in need. Some people just have a, you have a presence about you. I, I don't know what it is for you, but trust me, there's something God's given you. And just because you can't find it on a list doesn't negate it. Uh, yeah, so there's that. Verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. I don't want to gloss over this. I'd like to think we're all grown-ups and we all know this. Love must be sincere. It does not hate. It does not say hate who is evil. Mm. It says hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. This is so big. It is so big. You know, remember that in the time that Romans was written, the church was under immense persecution. And that's not to say that there are areas around the world right now where the church is facing significant persecution. In Orion and I live in the United States. It's becoming less and less popular, less and less socially acceptable to be a Christian. And that feels like persecution. But this era that Romans was written in, this was the, they're cutting our heads off because we're Christians era. Not quite comparable. Not quite comparable. It's not to diminish whatever you're experiencing wherever you are, but understanding the context of what's written. And it says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. People were completely shut out from their community because of their beliefs. And could not 
provide for themselves a home or food or whatever else it might be. And it was important for those believers who could to reach out. And that command is no less true for us today, that there are people in your church, in your community, who love God or maybe even don't even know God, but who desperately need you to share with them, if nothing else, for you to practice hospitality towards them. Peter, there was something that I had never really caught before until you just go over here. And I think it was where you put your paws. And I know you do that on purpose. I do. And I know like we've talked about the, the parenthetical statements and clauses and stuff. But this uh, just it's right in this middle of this paragraph here. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. So right there, like... How do we do that? How do we keep our spiritual fervor? Because sometimes it feels like we're just we just fade, you know, and it's like we become this shadow of uh, what we what we thought like a good Christian should be and feel like. And then serving the Lord is just the next thing. Serving the Lord, and it's like that. I think might be the key. And I don't know if he's saying that that's the key, or if it's just your silly pause made it so clear to me that that's the key. But it's just if you keep serving God through that, like. You, I think that you will stay fresh in that. You will feel that that zeal, that excitement, because only really when you're in service to God, when you're actually acting and living His will. What's this whole thing about? You know, yeah. living His testing will, His and approving His will, being yeah. that living sacrifice. Yeah. Only when you're actually doing that do you see what a blessing that you are and the, the way that God uses us. And so I, I just think that. Like, I, I want to highlight that. So in an episode where we opened up saying that God's not about formulas, here's a for, for, formula. Uh-oh. Uh, a lot of times with stuff like this, and I think we've run into it on other episodes, but maybe I'm thinking about another teaching I did somewhere. But a lot of times if you work backwards through a passage, you'll find stuff like this. That if you serve the Lord, uh, looking at verse 11, if you serve the Lord, if you use the gifting you have to serve the Lord, it helps maintain a spiritual fervor, which in turn produces a zeal for God, doesn't it? And so then we read the verse forward, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And to be fair, the pause wasn't feigned. There are commas there. I, 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 I went from, uh, that's you where I put was. a period there. Uh, <laughs> a semicolon, maybe? Oh, okay. It doesn't matter. Anyway, but it's true. And, and and it, it, it plays true, and I don't want to formalize this too much, but verse 12 is the same way. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Work backwards. If you stay faithful in prayer, doesn't it give you patience with what you're facing if you're constantly putting it in the lap of God? And if you develop that patience, doesn't that you give you some sort of hope? And that hope produces joy. It's working backwards again. That's so cool. anyway, it, yeah. Verse 14, I don't like, and I wish it wasn't in my Bible, but it's there. It says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Do not curse, Peter. Well, that's, <laughs> no, not, that's not what we're saying. No, no, wait a minute. But I, I want to point this out, and, and we've shared it elsewhere, but it, it's so true. As you study the Bible, as you read the Bible, when something is repeated, it is repeated for emphasis. Yes. It's like a don't you dare miss this. And Paul goes, bless those who persecute you. And he doesn't move on to the next point. He goes, no, 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 he didn't hear me. Bless and do not curse. Understand that, again, if you're in this, you know, you live in this country, in the United States, 
and you feel like society's more and more set against you. You may even work or live in a place that is completely set against God. I don't want to diminish your experience. But understand that the word says here to bless those people. To bless them and not curse them. Our human tendency is to curse anybody who doesn't go along with whatever we think. And I don't mean cuss them out, maybe. But, no, that's but not, I mean that's what this means. want or wish them harm or negativity. Paul goes, nope. Wish them and give them more than they already have. I, I feel like now it's a good time because there is this uh, kind of a blurry line between uh, prof- profanity, uh, what do you want to say, like bad words. Sure. And... Uh, and when the Bible uses a, you know a phrase like this, it talks about cursing, and and some people just like for like just equate that every that that must mean bad, bad words. words, right? But if you said, if I just were to put some, you know a, a quote here, uh, I don't think that you are of any value. I wish you would get out of my life. Those are bad words. Those are bad words. Yeah, that's crazy. And there's no profanities in there, but that is a curse. Absolutely. That is what this is talking about. That hurt a little, just so you know. I wasn't... I was just just quoting. Okay, all right, I feel better. Oh, man. All right, so... (laughs) Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position... Do not be conceited. Let's taper this all the way back to your gifts, and we already addressed it, of if God is blessing you, by all means, be blessed, but give credit where credit is due. Understand that nothing we have comes from ourselves, but either through the gifts God has given us or through supernatural blessing. That should remove conceit from the equation right there. It should. It should. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Man, this is worded terrible. (laughs) I'm not saying the Bible's worded terrible, but it's worded terrible because somebody could say, uh, well, what if I, does that mean I should do right in the eyes of people who want me to go against God? No, no, no. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean do right according to what everybody what each person you come across thinks is right it means do what is right no matter who's looking in the eyes of everyone we all end up in situations where none of our church friends are around we're around a bunch of people who don't know anything about us don't know we've ever gone to church or anything else still do what's right mm-hmm. yeah let's talk about visibility right yeah uh, rather than in in the opinion of right exactly and so, but but it could read. It'd be easy to read it and honestly twist it to oh, I'm just doing what these people see is right. No, that's not it. No, that's not what it's after. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is really important to get right. As far as it depends on you, there are some people who just won't live at peace with you. They just won't. They, they're, they're antagonistic, sometimes just to be antagonistic. These people exist. I don't understand them, but they exist. But I think a lot of times we go, oh, that person's just impossible, so whatever. And we are too dismissive of our actions because of someone else. Paul's really clear here. The Bible's really clear here. As much as it depends on you, make every effort to live at peace with other people. Make every effort. I, I, there's, Can you move on? 
There's so much I want to say, but I could dwell on this for far too long about subjects that maybe aren't relevant to you. But I think this applies to us in our family relationships, in our interpersonal relationships with our friends, with our work relationships with our coworkers, with our relationships with our neighbors and people in our community, and all the way to our relationship with the authorities set above us, meaning government or police, fire, whatever. As much as it depends on you, live at peace. Don't fight for the sake of fighting. If you can keep your mouth shut and your head down and continue to do the work of God without stirring things up, do it. I think this even means don't fight back. I mean, the next verse says as much, uh, but, but... That's where I was trying to go. Yeah, you said it better than me. It's, uh, it's not enough, I think, that to go like, hey, neighbor. The neighbor's like... We're not going to get along. All right, a war. No, like we don't. We don't give up at first. Yeah, you know, we're not supposed to give up at the first show of resistance or whatever. Like, but he don't talk to me, so I don't talk to him. Yeah, like, like, no, nope, nope. You don't get that out. And that's why I asked you to move on because this is really tough. Because I really, I really like showing people what they put out. You know, what their attitude. I, I've said and i shouldn't i'm not being proud of this it's uh, it's bad behavior it's sin um but i'm i can be a really good mirror like yeah if you if you're nice to me oh i'm so nice but if you are cruel if you are rude i can play that and honestly like the the flesh in me wants to i'm gonna be candid Dare I say transparent? I think I just was. You were, but I'm going to give a more specific example. Oh, and I hate to because I'm calling real. my I'm calling myself out. Um, on my way tonight to the More Than Here studio, I'm driving in my car, and I'm in a lane that's established. There is another lane that comes to the right of me that merges into my lane. I don't know if you're familiar with traffic laws. This isn't unique to the state I live in. This is the law. You have the right to maintain your lane. If another lane merges into yours, the person merging has the responsibility to find a place to come in. You who have the existing lane that's being merged into do not have to yield or make room to the person merging. This is a law. It's a thing. So I'm in my lane and another lane is coming to merge into my lane. And the person merging into my lane on the way here tonight goes... Now, I'm pretty much going to be right where you are, and you're going to move or I'm going to hit you. Well, I I don't really want to ruin my car, so I yielded to that person, but then made my presence known for several miles. Mm. Because you were a jerk to me, I'm going to let you know I think you're a jerk by being a jerk back. That's not what this says. Yeah. This says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, yield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Dang it. Dang it. <sighs> Paul, why you got to put this stuff in here, man? The next verse, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Here's the thing, church. Here's the thing, people, you got to hear. Is if you don't see God's wrath, it doesn't 
allow you then to take the place of God and be wrathful because you don't feel like his response was adequate. It's God's to do. And if he chooses to not do it, you got to let it go because as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Oh, man. I wish I wasn't preaching to myself right now. Yeah, this is a tough one. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. It's right in Deuteronomy 32, if you want to look it up, says the Lord. On the contrary, and this is where we're going to end Romans 12, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. It's Proverbs 25. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Can I take my example from tonight a little further? Let's say, for instance, I had yielded and then not made my presence known. I just let the guy go and I stayed a reasonable following distance behind him and we kept driving down the road. And he gets a flat tire. Poof, blowout. Pulls over to the side of the road. I could go, serves you right, wrath of God, yeah! But what this commands me to do is to pull over and help him change his tire. That's what this commands me to do. I can tell you right now, had that happened, I don't think I'd have done it. Uh, It sounds like you weren't in the right headspace to do that. No, but I'm supposed to be. This is where I need to bring it full circle, renewing of my mind. This is where I need to understand the will of God, that that guy's flat tire might have been an opportunity for me to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a complete stranger. Why are you helping me, man? I totally cut you off. I'm called to something more than what people usually do. It's an, it's an opportunity for a witness. I, I'm challenged by this tonight. I'm humbled by it. I said tonight, and I'm not supposed to, but that's okay. Um... I'm totally humbled by this. Uh, I've taught through this several times, and yet it hit me between the eyes tonight. Of, in light of Romans 1 through 11 into chapter 12, we, church, are called to be different. God has shown us an amazing level of grace and mercy that I don't even know that we can fully comprehend. And it requires us to be different. We are not required to be different in order to obtain salvation. But if you have accepted the gift of salvation, that gift now requires you to be different. And it starts with this. It starts with heaping burning coals on people's heads. Not literally, literally, (laughs) but figuratively. And I'm not even going to address it. It's been taught on dozens of times about what it means. And I've heard five or six different meanings. I think without trying, even trying to touch and understand what heaping burning coals on somebody's head means, except the verses before it that say, don't repay evil for evil, but overcome evil with good. Understand that it's the Lord's choice to show wrath on someone or not. And it's not up to us whether he does or doesn't. And if he doesn't, we've got to let that go and understand that God's doing something in somebody's life that we may not be able to see because sometimes he's doing stuff in my life that I can't even see. This is truth. This is real life. 
This is where a 2,000-year-old letter to a church in a place I've never been is real today right where I sit. And hopefully it's real for you today right where you sit. I can't wait to get into chapter 13. Hope to see you soon.